Today's episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott. Now, Joe is not only a fantastic guitar player, he draws on his years of experience as the ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and also at the McNally Smith Music College. Here's a few words from Joe about the course. If you're tired of wading through hundreds of random guitar videos and just want to become a better player, Fretboard Biology is your answer. Fretboard Biology is a self-paced, college-level program that will give you the right instruction, in the right amounts, and in the right order. You'll learn the same information I taught to thousands of other guitar players over 30 years of teaching in top music colleges. If you want to make real progress with your guitar playing, then sign up for a free 7-day trial at fretboardbiology.com. Hi there, you are listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. My name's Matt Wakeling and this is the show that I produce in Sydney, Australia, where I speak to amazing guitar players from all around the world. Thank you so much for joining me. Now today I'm speaking with Michael Sweet, frontman, guitarist and founder of the legendary metal band Striper. I first heard Striper when I was about 16, back in the 80s, back in the day. And uh, I immediately resonated with the metal and also with the message. Striper are back with a killer new record called The Final Battle. They're touring. They're going to be in Australia and New Zealand very shortly, as well as some US dates. And Michael is playing some new Sully guitars from our friend John Sullivan, which is super cool too. So it was a great time to have a conversation. Let's just jump straight in. Here we go. Michael Sweet on the Guitar Speak podcast. Hello. Hello, Michael. Yes, how are you, man? Good, man. Matt Matt Wakeling here from the Guitar Speak podcast. Hey, thanks for speaking with me again. We've actually chatted a couple of times. I think we spoke in 2018, just after Goddamn Evil was released. Of course. Absolutely. Great to talk to you again, buddy. Great to have you again. Yeah. And uh, I think we chatted just before your acoustic tour when you came uh, to Australia that must have been 2019, just before all the lockdown and crazy stuff was was kicking in. Yeah, it still blows my mind that I, I came to Australia twice uh, in a relatively quick period of time. I mean, it was with Striper as a trio, and then came acoustically, and 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 then the craziness happened, and here we are coming back again. So it's really exciting. We we love Australia. It's always a blessing whenever we have the opportunity to come, and we're looking forward to it. That's awesome. Yeah, super exciting. Um, yeah, very cool that you're back uh, with Oz, of course. Like the, the 2018 tour was really unique. For anyone who caught it, seeing you guys as a three-piece was a, a unique treat in a way, but obviously um, a lot of fans missed Oz. So uh, very cool that he's making this trip too. Yeah, it was really cool when we when – we, uh, well – Cool. I don't know if cool is the word, but interesting would probably be a better word uh, to use when we came as a trio because, you know, we didn't have a choice. Yeah. Um, Oz had some uh, things going on and it was really short notice. So we, you know, I didn't have time. I guess I should be more prepared and have guitar solos figured out uh, for those sections, you know, uh, when Oz isn't able to to be there or make it or what have you. Uh, so it, it was really weird because here I am, I play a solo and then I, I play rhythm guitar when it's his solo mm-hmm. 
And that was probably the most odd part about that for me is uh-huh. uh, just playing rhythm guitars when they're supposed to be a solo. <laughs> uh, very strange. But I tell you, the crowd was really understanding and very receptive. And um, uh, it was it was incredible that it was um, considering the circumstances so well received. It, I expected horrific reviews. And uh, I read all the reviews the next day after every show and everybody was so kind and, and really seemed to have a good time. And although it was really different without Oz, it was it was special and unique and one of a kind. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if it'll ever be repeated again. Sure, sure. And how um, how is Oz traveling and how are you traveling? Because you guys had some health stuff last year um, and you still came out yeah. with a new record and back on the road and, and all that kind of stuff, which is amazing. But yeah, how's, how's Oz doing these days? We're all traveling about the same. Okay. I mean, uh, there's no difference from Oz as there is from Robert yeah, awesome. or Perry or me. Uh, we're all about the same. And, you know, there's been health issues, but those haven't kept us from traveling. The only, only time it kept me from traveling is I had an air bubble in my eye and I couldn't get in a plane for uh for a while uh but once they i had them put the second surgery i had to put oil bubble in my eye so i could travel okay yeah uh, but that was the only real situation and complication uh, oz hasn't had any problems traveling uh like i said we all we all are getting older so we're, we're all having issues with traveling just from being exhausted and not liking lugging uh, 20 suitcases to an airport at 4 a.m. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. You know? Yeah. Not not to make light of your eye situation, because you had a retina detached, I think, twice, but you totally rocked the eye patch, I've got to say. Oh, man. Well, thanks, buddy. <laughs> I, I didn't know what else to do. I had to do something, because if I, if I didn't wear the eye patch during that time, I had I had double extreme double vision and, and I uh, would lose my balance. My equilibrium was yeah, all messed sure. up. My peripheral was all messed up. So I wore that and it really helped. Uh, and I just hope and pray that it looked okay. I, you know, I got all the snake pliskin stuff and uh, escape from New York, all those comments. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and some people are like, why are you wearing that patch? It looks stupid. I'm like, well, because I have to. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and it's like, what do you say? I mean, some of the comments people make online, it's just, it, it's, you got to kind of laugh it off or you, it can really get to you. you sure, know? sure. Well, you, you made it work. You made it very rock and roll. But, uh, but on a serious note, I'm glad, I'm glad that's, um, that's come good. Hey, amidst all that, you guys pulled together another, another kicking record. The final battle was released in October 22. Tell me about the um, the process for that, because it must have been somewhat disrupted or, or tricky, yet you still hit those deadlines. You know, it was really amazing, the timing of that. And I really believe, everybody knows we're, we're believers and we have deep faith. Yeah. Uh, and I really believe that God intervened and, and really helped organize that, because it was pretty miraculous. Um, you know, I literally went down to Florida for a little vacation to get some air before starting on a new album. And I, my plans were to come back and write the new album, but my retina detached. So that derailed 
all of those plans. I came back for emergency surgery. And when I was supposed to be writing the album, I was laying face down for two weeks. So I just felt like, okay, how's this going to work? We're going to have to postpone this and reschedule. But I chose not to. I got through the first surgery, did the lay down in the two weeks. And then I got up uh, after two weeks and I went right to work writing the album. Uh, good thing I did because to the day I, I went in my studio for two weeks and wrote a song a day, sent them to the guys. And then right after that process, my retina redetached. Wow. So uh, it was insane. I mean, the timing of it, you can't make this stuff up. And um, it redetached. I had to do surgery again, do the face down again. And I just believed and trusted God because we had uh, the studio scheduled on the calendar. And to the day when I got up from laying down to the day we were in the studio. That's awesome. And it was pretty insane. Uh, we went in there. We did rehearsals in the studio, which we never do. We always do rehearsals at my house. And then we go into the studio. So we scheduled more time went in and rehearsed in the studio and we did it different this time. We would rehearse two or three songs and then go and record those songs. Okay. Yep. Then we would go and rehearse two or three songs and then go record those songs. So that's a very unique way for us to do it. Unorthodox, but that's how we did it. And we were able to get it done and retain all the information in our minds, having learned. I'm sitting there looking at the ground with my face down still, uh -huh. trying to keep my retina attached. Okay. And Oz is, you know, trying to stay healthy and well through yeah, everything yeah. he had been through. And Robert had so shoulder issues, and we were just trying to get through it, and we got through it. The album sounds massive. The, I don't, you don't sense anything. It just sounds super fresh. It really. I mean, to my ears, it really continues the vein of the last few records. We, um, I think we were saying in, in 2018 when you and I spoke, um, really drawing on that heavy sort of 80s vibe, but with some, some modern flourishes, but super riffy, super heavy. Um, still got the sing-along moments, but then the riffs are back to beat you around the face a little bit. So uh, the final product sounds mega. Well, I'm happy to hear you say that, man. I'm really glad you like it. Uh, it's it's always a fine line and a bit of a juggle uh, when you're trying to appease the fans that want the old sound. Uh -huh. and, and you're trying to capture new fans that want a new sound. Uh, and that's that's really difficult. But I think Striper has figured that out. A lot of bands haven't for whatever reason. And I think Striper has, is one of those rarities that has actually figured it out. And we're able to somehow retain the old classic sound, but mix in little modern flares along the way and flavors that work and give it that modern edge just enough to capture and obtain new fans. And I only say this because when you go to a Striper show and I ask that question, how many fans are new? How many fans are old? Half of the hands go up for new fans. Okay, cool. So it's pretty interesting how that's worked out over the years. Nice, nice. I guess there's that generational thing too. You, I first heard you in 86 when I'm 16. If I go to a Striper show now, 
there's people my age bringing their kids along as well. So Stripe is like a new thing for a whole bunch of young people as well. Wow. So you're telling me people your age. So there are people in their 70s? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> the bus turns up. They wheel us in. We get good seats. It's, it's perfect. <laughs> I think I'm younger than you, Michael Sweet, but just saying, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I know you are. If you were 16 and you were seeing us way back when, you're definitely a little younger than me. But I'm going to be 60 in July. So I'm getting up there, you know, slowly but surely. Yeah, well, you're you're keeping it you're keeping it rocking. Oh, well, I'm 52, and whenever I think I'm getting a bit old to be playing the guitar, I just I look at Keith Richards and think, well, man, there's plenty of time for all of us. There's plenty of time for all of us. He's living proof of that, and I think if as long as you most importantly uh, retain your health, yeah, yeah, you can you can do anything if you're still healthy and and breathing. And able to function, you can do anything you want to do. You you sort of touch on it in the song Heart and Soul. There's a lyric there. Um, you say, we're never too old to reach new goals. That seems to be very apt for Striper and for yourself, because I know you're doing a bunch of solo stuff and collabs as well. Can you explain what you mean by that lyric? Well, I mean, I think sadly in our society, uh, people that are older in age, seniors, if you will, um, are often cast aside. They, you know, everybody wants new blood and younger blood, and they're like, ah, they're too old, they're too old, uh -huh. whatever it may be, whether it's music or um, acting or just everyday jobs out there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, that's the way our society thinks and and functions and i think that's a line for society it's like no we're not too old you, you can always reach new goals if you put your heart and mind to it and again stay healthy that's obviously crucial uh you can obtain anything and do anything that is cool that is cool and what about like as a band or as a songwriter yourself because you are you seem to have a a little bit of a cycle like writing a striper album um, but then you go off and do some side things like the work with George Lynch or Tracy Guns or the iconic stuff, come back to a Striper record. How do you keep that fresh? Because it doesn't sound like you're churning out a bunch of filler to make a new record. This, this album is super strong. How do you do that? I think of something like Yellow and Black Attack is 40 years old next year. How are you still writing with all this freshness? Well, you know, man, I, the only thing I can say is, you know, I try to keep a really positive attitude, you know, the whole uh, looking in the mirror thing and saying you can do it. it. It seems silly, but it's so true. If you believe it, you can do it. And it's just as simple as that. I never tell myself for one second of any minute of any hour of any day. I never say I can't do it at least yet. And I think because I believe in myself, uh, I, I'm able to get it done. And that's whatever project I'm working on, whether it's iconic, Sweet Lynch. Um, you know, I just turned in a new Sweet Lynch album. Yeah. I think it's our best. I think it's our best Sweet Lynch album. Um, I'm listening to mixes right now for a new uh, Michael Sweet, album with uh, Alessandro Del Vecchio of Frontiers, and it's a little bit more journey-ish. Uh -huh. 
cool. in its sound. A little more early 80s radio friendly. It's not a metal album, but it's a great album. And I can't wait for people to hear that. I think the songs are brilliant on it. And, you know, um, it's just so amazing what's going on. There's so much going on. And um, I'm able to step up to the plate and get it done because I believe that I can. It's, it's not a it's not at all for one second uh, of pride or a vanity issue. I don't I'm not vain. I don't. I don't have an ego. I'm not cocky. I don't think like, yeah, yeah, I could do this. It's, it's more just believing. I, yeah. If someone comes to me and says, can you do this? I'll say, sure. Yeah. Let's, let's get it done. I just believe that I can do it. And that's pretty much all it is. It's one thing to think, yep, I can do it, but there's obviously a work ethic that is pretty ingrained. I would say by now that, that you can uh, get the guitars out, get to work on it. Well, I love to work. It's not to say the other guys don't. Uh, they all do as well. But I'm I'm a little over the top. Um, <laughs> and they'll be the first to admit it. They're, they're always saying to me, like, God, dude, you know, do you ever take a break? And fans are always saying, do you ever take a break? When do you sleep? Do you ever take a vacation? And, like, <laughs> the answer to all of the above is no. <laughs> uh, I, I just feel like my view on it is – as long as I can do yeah, it cool. for as Absolutely. long as I can do it, I'm going to do it. I'll have plenty of time in, in 10 years or 15 years or 20 years to take a vacation. You know what I mean? This episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott, ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and the McNally Smith College of Music. I was one of the beta testers for the course and can say as a music educator, I was really impressed by the logical sequence of learning. The course has also been endorsed by players such as Brett Garson and Greg Cup. For more details, check out the links in our show notes. Hey, can we talk guitars for a while? The guitars on the album sound killer as, you know, they're going to be great. It's a striper record. Can I ask you, I, I could be barking up the wrong tree, but... Did you double any leads? I'm wondering, like, on Same Old Story or Near. I wasn't sure if your solos on that, if you were actually, not the harmonies, but, I mean, actually double-tracking some parts, or am I just hearing, like, a stereo kind of spread? No, no, you're absolutely correct. And and there's nothing uh, nothing like a real double. Yeah. Uh, a lot of guys a lot of guys do a chorus effect or a doubling effect. Yeah, yeah, and, right. And, you know, it... it, it, it it's kind of thin and phasey. Uh, and I don't personally like that. I like to actually play it. So I've been doing that a lot lately in the past five, six years. You hear it on the, the solo to do unto others, for example, uh-huh. on the last album. That's a complete double. Yeah, cool. Uh, and, you know, that's the Randy Rhodes uh, trick. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're a big Randy guy, I know. So that's what I was wondering. I, when I, I am. I am, man. And it takes more time. It's a little more, uh, you know, tedious, but I don't mind doing it because the end result is the best. And it just sounds like this huge tone. And I love it. And I did do that on Same Old Story. And I did it on a few others. I did it on Till Death Do Us Part. Uh 
you can hear it. But I, I'm doing that pretty much a lot more, almost on every solo these days. Uh, and uh, it's just what I like to do, man. It's my thing. Nice, nice. I'm hearing your rhythm guitar too. I'm. This is this was my guess. Let me know if I'm right or wrong. But are you doubling a lot of your rhythms, hard left and right? I'm I'm hearing more of your, again that thick mid rangey thing, both sides. Well, here's the thing. Um, I am doubling. Uh, what happens in the studio is I'll lay down the first rhythm guitar, and then Oz will. Uh, double that with the same rig okay yep and just a different guitar okay and his okay. obvious his obvious different style you know we're a little different in style you know yeah. Oz's right hand is a little looser uh-huh and not that that's a bad thing or a good thing I'm a little bit more uh muted and in in tight and he's a little looser but they work really well together when you double them up yeah cool um some of the songs I doubled on my own, like Ashes to Ashes. That sounds really tight. That sounds tight. So yeah. Maybe the one player. Yes, it's, it's, it's very tight. And that's more my style. And, mm -hmm. and Oz tried it and said, Mike, why don't you do this? Because you, you'll, you'll get this tighter and it needs to be. And I did it. And then, and then there it was. And that, that one might have a little more of that mid-range thing going on. Okay. Uh, if, if you notice it. But um, the one thing that we did different on this album is um in the past on every album we always mic the cab on this album we got a uh, captor x and dialed that in and we went direct so all the rhythm sounds are direct okay cool and it just made it a little more in your face a little less roomy yeah definitely and it actually definitely. worked for this album we liked it we liked it a lot now the solos tones are not those are Mike's cab. All right. Yep. So with the with the Captor X, are you like running? Are you running some some modeling into that? I know you've been using the ISP stuff a lot. I think Oz. Uh, no, not in the studio. I, I use it live exclusively. Okay. Yep. And Oz uses Oz uses his Helix. Yeah. Live, but in the studio, when you have a a Silver Jubilee sitting there and a, a Mesa Mark V. Uh, it, there's just no point. I mean, <laughs> it, the real lamps just annihilate the modeling stuff in the studio. I, sure, I mean, sure. Any anybody with ears can can hear it immediately, and it's like, it, yeah, why go put that go put that uh, helix back in the trunk of the car? You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, Rock and roll, yeah, man. so it's just it, it's night and day. Live, you can get away with it. Uh, and the Helix and the and the ISP are great for consistency and having the same tone every night. Uh, but in the studio, yeah, we always do the amp. Now, I I still use pedals on the front end of the amp. You know, I use Tech Twenty One uh, Q Strip uh -huh. uh, to give me that mid range parametric Furman PQ Three kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and I use an ISP decimator uh -huh. uh, in the in the effects loop, and uh, sometimes an EQ. Yeah, uh, gotcha. with the Mesa, I don't use an EQ. It's got the five band, but with the Silver Jubilee, I'll put uh, like a uh, uh, an MXR 
six band in the in the effects loop along with the decimator and i'm able to uh, pull a little mid range out and add a little bit of low end and then there it is nice and chuggy you know awesome man that's killer hey tell me about working with sully guitars that's been uh, a new thing since we spoke anyway in the last couple of years i had him on the show actually and we spoke about uh how he connected with you what's what's your side of the sully guitar story oh man I love the Sully guitars. I mean, you, you could pick up uh, a guitar, any guitar, uh, whether it's uh, an Ibanez or, a, a, you know, um, ESP or Fender or whatever. Just pick any guitar. And a nice guitar, just set up great. And you go, wow, this is killer. And then you pick up the Sully and you can just feel the quality difference. It's kind of like driving a... Uh, you know, a Volkswagen and then hopping in a top of the line, you know, BMW, you know, it's, it, it's, you feel the difference and you smell the difference, you see the difference uh, and you hear the difference. And that's the same case with the Sully. It just, it, it steps up in quality and I love them. They remind me most, uh, more than any other guitar of old school Jackson's. Okay. Okay. That's that's interesting because Sully is a big Jackson fan. He's worked with Grover. Um, you know, that yeah. was his inspiration. So it's a nice coming together given you know, your history with Grover as well. That's really cool. 100%. And, I mean, when you pick up a Sully, you feel like you've gone back in time in a time machine and you're holding a brand-new 1986 Jackson. Uh-huh. That's cool, man. That's cool. That's what that's what they feel like, and they they sound like that. They feel like that. They play like that, and <clears throat> they're just quality guitars. So that's why I'm playing them. I, I chose. Yeah, you know, I could have got a deal with Dean or uh, Fender or you know some company like that. I was even talking to Gibson, and and they're all great guitars, phenomenal guitars. But you know, there was something to be said when Sully sent me a guitar. I'm like, wow. You know, he's a smaller company, mm -hmm. but the quality is ridiculous. And I wound up going that route, and I'm very happy that I did. Awesome. What What will you bring out? So the Australian-New Zealand tour is really close very soon. What will you bring out for that tour? I'm bringing one guitar. I, I just got the Inky uh, deal, and I'm using Inky cases, and I'll be traveling with two guitars on the U.S. run, uh, which will be – my revolution, uh, basically a King V, a Revolution Sully, yep. uh, 24 fret with uh, Fishman pickups. And then I also have a Revolution, which is basically a, a Randy Rhodes. Excuse me, it's called a Concord. Mm -hmm. Revolution, King V, Concord's Randy Rhodes style. And uh, both 24 frets. He custom made a 24 fret Concord for me. And that's what I'll be traveling with in the U.S. For Australia, just the Revolution. I'm just bringing one guitar Okay. Because uh, we have a, a very specific carnet that we have to stick with. Yeah, sure. Uh, that we've had all. Yeah. So that's that's why. But that's what I'm bringing. It's killer guitar. It's that King V. Um, and I love it, man. That's cool. Dumb, dumb question. What happens if you break a string? What's the backup plan for you or Oz or Perry for that matter? Well, I tell you, lately we don't. But still, in an emergency, we always have a backup guitar that's supplied okay. by backline. Okay. Sure. Just in case. 
uh, usually a backup bass and a backup guitar. It's usually just a Les Paul and some sort of Fender P or something like that. Okay. And that's just in case. But we never do because we, we're playing higher gauge strings and we tune down to D now, down a half step from where we used to tune. Okay, rocking. And the tension isn't quite as tight and we just don't have problems breaking strings these days. That is cool. Do you enjoy the tension change? I, I play a gig that's E flat and I wouldn't want to go back to E now if I, if I can avoid it. As a guitar I'll tell player. you what, man. When I pick up a guitar that's tuned to E flat now, it feels weird. Really? Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, D is the perfect place to be because it it makes it just a little bit chuggier, but it's not so low that you can't recognize the song. And uh, you know, we're just a half step below where we used to tune, and it just sounds bigger and fatter and thicker. And uh, but still, uh, you know, you're able to to know what key we're in. It's not so low that you're going, what key is that? Yeah, you know? sure. Yeah. Uh, and it works. It works great. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. Hey, Michael, I need to let you go. You've got some other people to talk to today. Before you go, can I just say thank you? Well, man, you know what? That's so kind of you, buddy. And I'm so glad that we've uh, played a role and had an impact on oh, your life. Definitely, definitely. Uh, that's just amazing. And that's why we're here. That's why we do That's why we continue doing this. Yeah. You know, it's because we think about it. It's tougher to tour. It's it costs more. It's tougher on us physically. But you know, we tell we remind ourselves, like you know, look at all the people that it has an effect on, and that it's inspiring and encouraging. That makes it worth it all. And uh, to hear your story is just amazing and so cool. It makes me smile. And I hope you get a chance to see us when we're there, man. Yeah, March three, you're in Sydney, my hometown. So uh, that's my plan to catch you there. On your last tour, wow. actually, I was chatting with John King, who was teching. He said, man, you coming to the show? I had a gig myself, and I always remember that gig. And the whole gig, I'm thinking, man, I should be at Striper. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> this gig, I'm clear. Well, this gig, I'm clear. It, come see us. It's going to be a great set. Yeah. We're going to have a blast. We can't wait, man. And I, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to me today, my friend. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. All right. I've got to let you go. Thank you so much, and I uh, hope to catch you again sometime. Okay, brother. All right, there you go. Michael Sweet on the Guitar Speak podcast. I've got to say, every single episode I talk to amazing people, talk guitars, talk music. It's so much fun. Um, I've been super lucky to also meet a bunch of people, you know, heroes really from my teenage early guitar years. And, and Michael Sweet is definitely one of those people. So very fun. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening in. And I'm going to leave you with the words of wisdom for one of Michael Sweet's influences, certain guitarist called Michael Schenker, who way back in episode 150 told all of us to... Keep rocking, keep on rocking. Keep on rocking indeed. All right, I'll catch you next time. Bye now.